Um, does anyone know what the fuck is going on? Anyone? Alright, cool. It's not just me then. My name is Carly Shaner, and I am the host of the podcast, P.S. Keep It 100. I created this show to talk about the things that most people are afraid to bring up. I'm passionate about honesty, living in truth, aligning myself with God, even if society deems it completely insane. This podcast is not for the easily offended or overly sensitive. Discernment and discretion is advised. Small talk is dead. I want to talk about things that actually matter. Stuff that actually breeds change in a world full of fillers and fake. I'm here to keep it real. Thank you for listening. Enjoy the show. Hey there, my name is Carly Shaner and I am the host of PS Keep It 100 and on today's episode I have an interview for you guys and it is a piggyback of the previous episode. So if you've not listened to Psychedelics and and Alternative Therapies Part 1, please go back and listen to this. Um, Otherwise... I mean, you can do whatever you want. It's a free country, but it just may make more sense to you. That's all I'm saying. So I wanted to preface this episode by saying this is a good friend of mine. Um, I highly value her opinion and her experience. We have been friends for a good bit of time. She's my longest friend, and I... um, I don't know, I can't say enough about how much I respect her and value our friendship because it has been through some shit. And if you've ever been in a long-term friendship or relationship with literally anybody, you know the amount of work it takes to make that relationship and that friendship work. And I presented this interview to her months ago and then was the one who drug my feet and whatever. Um, and the truth, like the honest to God truth is that pregnancy has just beat my ass from one end to another. And it has consumed a lot of my time and energy. You know, I just didn't have it in me to do a podcast, let alone an interview. However, I'm glad we finally got to a point where we got to sit down and talk. And um, I'm anxious to share her story with you guys. You know, I talk about myself on the show up until this point, because like, besides the world and me, what else are you going to talk about unless you bring somebody else on? And that's what I've been wanting and intending to do. So I'm grateful for her time and for her sharing her experience. And I hope listeners that you love it. Enjoy the show. So the title of this episode is called Psychedelics and Alternative Therapies Part 2. This is an interview. Um, and for those that did not listen to the, the previous episode, um, it was an intro. I'm going to pray first that I can get out of the way at least and read a prompt. God, I ask you to guide this interview in the way that you see fit, the way that will help the most amount of people. Um, I pray that this interview brings healing and that through it, we are able to move closer to our highest selves, the version of us that you intended us to be. Amen. Amen. So I'm going to offer a disclaimer. This is a conversation between friends and our experiences, as well as an interview that has been prayed over and it's been thought of carefully. This is not actual medical advice. We are not doctors. We are not professionals. By definition, addiction is considered a disease of the mind with its own diagnosis in the DSM. Obviously, like I said, we are not medical professionals. Um As I've been in the patient's seat for most of my life, and I think you will find that my guest has been as well. So this interview should not be taken as medical advice. Again, we are not doctors. 
So before we begin, I'd like to explain what a 12-step program is for anyone who may not know and touch on a brief history of the largest, most widespread programs, the literature, how it mirrors other organizations, um, and how they're all cults, basically. So in the episode preceding this, I talked about 12-step programs, AA, um, but the one that we're going to be discussing today is Narcotics Anonymous, um, which is NA. So AA and NA come from basically the same literature, And like I said, if you haven't listened to the last episode, go back and listen to it because it talks about it a little bit further. Let's just start the interview. Who are you? I'm Risha. Um, I grew up in NA. I um, just over the last couple years um, left the fellowship and realized um, a lot about it and... um, a lot about the people, a lot about, um, I I truly believe it's a cult, um, the way that people are put on pedestals, um, and if you go against the grain of anything that they believe in, um, you're pretty much, um, shamed, bashed, talked about, um, NA fucked me up. <laughs> like, NA really fucked me up. Um, let me ask you, let me interrupt. How long... Well, let me tell the listeners first. I know Risha pre-NA. So Risha's dad and my dad were friends. We knew each other as children before quote-unquote drug addiction hit and before NA came into focus. Now, we reconnected later in the 12-step fellowship. <laughs> I grew up with a drug addict father. She grew up with a father in recovery. So how many years and what is your history with 12-step programs? Like you've basically been around it your entire life, correct? Correct. So my mom and my stepdad met whenever I was. My mom left my real dad and was drinking, um, going out partying, just doing what we do. being a 21 year old and um her friend was in the fellowship and she uh, invited her to go to a meeting with her my mom went to a meeting met my stepdad so from the time i was three years old i recall being at meetings like all the people that are still around like the old timers like i remember them whenever i was little i remember sitting in church basements i remember being at parties i remember being at all the halloween functions i remember like all of any through my life however so you grew up in the fellowship basically it was always in your awareness so with that brought a strict set of rules and living in a zero tolerance house um i was not allowed to do anything pretty much in terms of drug and alcohol in terms of drug and alcohol um i wasn't allowed to hang out with people if my parents had heard that their parents partied or if my parents didn't know these kids parents um i lived in the country i pretty much had no freedom so they thought and like looking back like I see they were doing like my dad all he knew was NA and what NA taught him Mm -hmm. and he knew to use this to die so he did not want his kids to do any type of drugs or drink or anything so like the intentions were good you know like he had my parents had great intentions they did the best they could looking back though all I wanted like because I'm not a drug addict I mean I've I've learned through the years I'm not a drug addict I learned through the fellowship that I am not a drug addict. I did not, um, you were not physically, mentally, emotionally dependent dependent on on a substance. Correct. I've never gone to rehab, never gone through withdrawal, never, you know, physically never stole anything. Like my story, I never found my story whenever I was in the rooms. However, everything that I did, like the first time I smoked pot, I got pulled out of my school and sent to Catholic school and then 
I was being a teenager and, you know, just wanted some freedom and was having, you know, issues at home. So my parents made me either go live with my grandmother or my real dad. So I had to leave school again and go to a different school. So I was pulled out of school multiple times. Like I never got to stay in one place. And all I ever wanted was to be me and no one ever let me be me. Like I was always told I was bad or I was on drugs or, you know, um, that I wasn't making the right choices and stuff when I never had the opportunity to be a teenager. Like I never had the opportunity to experiment with stuff. And that actually, that's all I did in high school was I tried a couple things. Like I did not, like I wasn't a drinker. I really didn't smoke a lot of pot. I mean, I really didn't do a lot of drugs. I experimented with some stuff, but I was punished as if you were, I was a drug addict or so a bad child. what eventually brought you to the 12-step program? Because it's one thing to grow up in the program with your parents as members, but it's another thing to enter into the program because you feel that you have an issue with substance abuse disorder. I didn't come to the rooms because I felt I had an issue. I came to the rooms because that was always the only ultimatum I had to be able to come back home. If I I get in relationships and, you know, break up and want to come back home and the ultimate, like the only option that I had was, okay, well, if you want to live here, you got to go to NA. This is a zero tolerance house. You can't do drugs. You can't drink, you know that was the stipulation always. So I never went because I had a problem. I went because I felt that was my only option if I wanted to go back home and have a place to live. Mm -hmm. How long have you been out of the fellowship? When was your relapse? <laughs> <laughs> so in 2018, I had been about a year removed from going to meetings. Um, I still stayed in contact with a lot of people, but, um, 2018, I decided, and it was decided with my husband, we discussed it. Um, I was going to smoke weed and I made that decision. I told my sponsees and said that, you know, they had to get a new sponsor and then I'm leaving the fellowship. I thought I was doing the right thing. Thought I, being honest, was doing the right thing. And I was talked about so badly. I was bashed. I was prayed over in rooms. I was, my, my name, my husband's name were brought up in circles. Like, that's some fucked up shit, man. All because we decided to do something on our own. We were told we were going to die. <laughs> I mean, it, it's, years later, we're still talked about. I want to add, too, that we're not in any way trying to mock the fellowship um, this is my experience only. This is Risha's experience, and it's also, you know, her story and her perspective, but by no means, you know, I always tell people that I'm not a medical doctor, I'm not giving medical advice, I'm also not giving life advice, I'm sharing somebody's experience, because for one, I think it can help other people, and for two, um, it was very similar to my own being shunned and talked about and excluded and investing yourself in a program for a long amount of time. And I think for me, it was more investing myself in other people um, and thinking that I had solid friendships because I spent 10 years in this fellowship mm -hmm. only to turn around and be judged. And it has changed my perspective on friendships because I'm not going to keep you in my life when I know consciously that you're talking about me at the same time like we can't hold space for both it's either in or out and drugs aside I think a lot of the issues we have and a lot of what formed this particular episode was just the way we were treated and I in no way want to make a mockery of the 12 steps because I believe that it's a beautiful program and the if more steps people are written perfectly they are the program itself is wonderful the fucking people in it, though, it up. screw it up screw bad. It up. And I don't know if it's just exclusive to, like, the area that we got clean. Because um, I've been to meetings in other areas, other states. You know, I used to travel and go to a lot of meetings. I was very involved in the fellowship itself. But, like, when you're visiting somewhere, you're not in the midst of their bullshit. You know, you're not in the clique. You just see... So I don't know. I don't know if this is other people's experience. And that's what I'm curious about is that, like, were we so brainwashed to believe that this was the only way to live, to survive, you know, and when I'm... other people may have experienced it. And a lot of the trauma that both of us carry came from 
being in the rooms for so long, like we spent, how many years did you spend in meetings for you? About seven. Seven years. And I was in for 10. And like, I mean, I, I can't say that I just went to meetings because I had an ultimate. I went to meetings because I was genuinely fucking strung out on drugs, which is different than why, what brought you there. But sometimes I'm not sure if I endured more trauma in drug addiction or if I endured more trauma in recovery because we've seen some shit both I, ways, you know? I honestly feel as though there was more trauma for me in the rooms just because of who I am as a person. Um, I've never experienced the type of lies and hatred and spite and backstabbing and pettiness and um, two-facedness ever in my life. I've never experienced it like I did in the rooms. Yeah. Um, I've there was a lot of hurt. I mean, I've been hurt by people. I've, I spent a, a decade with certain people, 10 years of friendship and, you know, come to find out a lot of it is a lie, you know, like it was never real. And like, I can't fathom how people can be like that towards, towards other humans. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, like that's, and, and I've experienced it a lot with people in, I mean, I'm sure it, it's all walks of life, but like mm. my experience in the rooms is I've, I've been backstabbed, man. I've been, I have resentments towards NA. It was a consistent thing. Yeah. And it was kind of like, for me, at least once I got further along, cause you're taught in the program and stick with men, women stick with women, which I think is good advice. Mm-hmm. But, like, we all walk in, for the most part, really fucked up and having no life skills. So you're with this group of women. It's like the blind leading the blind, you know? And But these women get put on or put themselves on pedestals. And even men. Yes. There is a hierarchy um, for as far as respect and clean time. And I noticed that the more time that I accumulated, the more respect... And the more praise I was given, um, I was given better opportunities and different things, like working your way up in the ladder. But um, when I think about the term relapse, for us, it was more of like a transition out, you know, and now it's kind of like cleaning up the mess of what we endured in the program. Not that the program is a mess, but we endured a fucking mess. And I wanted to ask, like... You touched on it a little bit, but did you experience shame in the program, both being shamed and judged by others, but also working through your own shame? Because, yeah, you know, everybody works an individual program in the fellowship, which I think is good to work on yourself. But when you're being guided by people that, you know, may not have your best interests or motives at heart, it causes a lot of problems. Um, yeah, I was, um, how do I want to answer this? It was like a, like a bomb went off when I realized I'm not this fucked up person I've been made out to be. I am not this person that I've been told I am, that I've been led to believe that I am. Yeah. Like, um brainwashing almost yes exactly um and it's it's hard to it's hard when you're in it it's hard to see it but because I'm so far removed and I'm what 2018 is whenever I what started smoking weed that Mm -hmm. was my relapse and I mean I got my medical card I I I mean I smoke weed legally you know that is my medicine I don't believe marijuana is a drug um so since then Okay, it's 2022. They're going towards the end of 2022. Is my life, has my life fallen apart? Am I strung out? Am I doing drugs? Did I die? Yeah. No. That's I, my marriage my is, did my we marriage die? is amazing. <laughs> mm-hmm. My friendships are authentic and genuine, you know? Mm-hmm. And, like, I'm grateful for the rooms because I met some and, and built some very amazing relationships, you know? I would have, I wouldn't be with my husband had it not, like, so I'm very grateful for NA. Mm-hmm. Um the program's written perfectly, the steps are perfect, the people fuck it up. 
yeah people have ruined it and yep, um, I, agree. I mean that is my experience like but looking like the outside looking in now I see it like I can see the brainwashing I can see the it's worse than high school mm-hmm. it's like high school on steroids it is because I think in high school it's just like you're figuring out who you are as a person and like you hurt people along the way and you don't mean to. But, but by the time we reached adulthood, I was 24 when I got clean. I was fully aware of what I was doing. And like I can't sit here and say that I was a victim in the rooms because I had my own share of shit that I put people through. Oh, absolutely. But there's an awareness now. I knew what I was doing. There were no drugs in my system outside of being doped up on psych meds. Like I had nothing to blame it on but myself, you know? so it's wild I just personally think that we're not all like anybody can be a drug addict anybody can do drugs to cope Mm -hmm. we're all victims of trauma is what I truly believe I just believe we're all children of trauma and how we dealt with things was through drugs or what I mean my experience with drugs though I didn't have like consequences like my life didn't get bad I I partied to have fun. Like, it wasn't as a necessity. It wasn't, you know, I don't know if that's why I, you know, look at things a little bit different. But, like, I learned who pe- I learned about drug addiction in the rooms. I learned more than I had ever known in the real world through Narcotics Anonymous. Like, yeah, you go into NA with, like, a kind of basic knowledge of whatever drugs you like and come out with, with like, a, a PhD, PhD in everything. Narcotics. Yeah. yeah, that's pretty much it. Speaking of narcotics, in the last episode, I talked about psychedelics and um, mental health psychedelics as the foundation of AA. Um, I want to talk about, in this episode, levels of perception, opening the mind and seeing things from a different angle, which you've said, like, hindsight's always twenty twenty. Looking back on something, you can see the bigger picture. But I found that with um, NA specifically in the groups that I was involved in, that some people rely on comfort and familiarity to feel safe. Um, There's like a safety net that comes with 12-step programs, although for me it was like phantom safety because these people didn't actually have my best interest at mind, you know. And I learned that years before I left the rooms when I had my daughter... And I openly breastfeed. Like, I just don't care. If you can openly bottle feed, I can openly breastfeed. It was never even a thing with me. Like, my husband and I would be at meetings. And, I mean, I sat in the back, but I experienced a lot of discrimination from, like, some of what I thought were my closest friends. And it started the process of waking up and realizing, like, what the fuck am I doing here, you know? So, looking back on it... I mean, you've talked about smoking weed, and it's your story to tell whatever you're comfortable with, but, like, what has helped you not only heal from the shit that went on in the rooms, because we we went, we saw a lot of shit, mm-hmm. but how has it helped you, like, come to acceptance with it, see the bigger picture, understand why, you know, like, I know why God led me to the rooms. I see where my life is today, and I know it was a part of my path, and I was supposed to take it, but it took me leaving to be able to see re- that, yes. you know, yes. it took it, hindsight for me is always twenty twenty, And I've done certain things in the meantime to help open my mind, get off psych meds. Um, I also hold a medical card in the state of Pennsylvania and I'm open to other modalities of healing. So do you want to share your experience with that? Yeah. Um, I have through my experience of leaving the fellowship and becoming my own person, who I am, who I've always been and tried to be, but was not allowed to be. Um, I find that the shit that grows from the ground that God created, it was created for a reason. I do eat mushrooms on a rare occasion. I've maybe eaten them three times in the last two years, but and it's um, helped you in your healing process, correct? Yes, it, um, what mushrooms have done for me is allow me to, they they open my mind more and help me to accept the reality of the fucked up world we live in, but for me, I'm able to embrace, it helps me embrace 
nature, the natural route. Um, it has helped my spirituality. I've gotten, um, I feel that any type of psychedelic, whether it be mushrooms, ayahuasca, DMT, um, even acid. Um, well, even marijuana in some circles is considered a psychedelic also because it is a natural psychoactive plant. All of my belief in all of that is that they all have medicinal purposes. They all have healing properties where they can help. They've helped me open my mind more. Um, I don't use them as, in a sense, to like trip and see wild shit or anything. Like I, when I eat them, it's just a lightning experience, you know? Um, and I would equal, I guess I would equate it to um, a high dose of maybe antidepressants like hitting your body all at mm -hmm. once you know like just a not a not a euphoria but like a I don't really know how to it gives you a different well for me I can't speak for you but for me it gave it gives me a higher level of perception um what plants have done for me have helped me heal in ways that Western medicine could not because Western medicine cut me off from God, whereas plants mm -hmm. and plant therapy and I mean, even like acupressure and different things, Reiki have strengthened my relationship with God and made me more clear in who I am. Like the world's going to be fucked up regardless. Um, but it's helped me kind of like maintain my position and where I stand and all that. And it doesn't have to be through the validation of other people, especially people in 12 step fellowships, you yeah. know, like, um, I feel like a lot of us go in there and we're so broken and we just want love. And there's a group of people that are like literally hugging you at the door and we fall into this trap of like, feeling safe and trying to open up and trying to heal but one out of four of those people hugging you at the door are not hugging you for the right reasons that's a generous number because i'm being generous <laughs> yeah. i'm just saying like we go in there with openness and willingness to learn and from my experience i learned who people truly are in that fellowship and as far as like the psychedelics and the you know marijuana and the plant medicine mm -hmm. um there's a stick I think it's the stigma around it because what is the difference between microdosing and being on a low dose antidepressant. antidepressant. The difference is you do not need to take that mushroom every day. Every day. Yeah. You do not become physically dependent on it. It is natural. There I had a slight experience with psych meds and I'll tell you what, Western medicine is it's a game. It, all it is is a game like they try to trap you why not treat the problem like and that's the thing about na2 is like yeah we should treat the problem okay like we need to deal with the trauma okay the root cause of yes. why we're here not putting a band-aid over it so like that's all these meds are doing is putting a band-aid my experience with mushrooms and marijuana is i'm more open i'm able to feel more um i'm able to process things differently and I want to say more appropriately mm -hmm. um my body's become more balanced um does that make sense yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. it does make sense so I mean I'm grateful for NA I, I really don't I, I'm not talking badly about it this is just my experience and you know I mean it traumatized me it really did traumatize me like I had some hardcore resentments towards the fellowship mm -hmm. and um i mean i don't anymore but 
I, well, I think what traumatizes us is what teaches us also. Sometimes I need to be like smacked up in the head with a bunch of fucked up shit. Right. For me and to I'm wake grateful up. for it. I'm mm-hmm. grateful for it because they're all lessons and I've learned. I've gained wisdom. I've gained relationships. I gained a husband. I mean, like, there's a lot of great things mm-hmm. and benefits, but there's always another side to it. Yeah. Also. There's a lot of shit that comes with it, too. Now, did you work and complete all 12 steps? I did. Yeah, I did, too. I do okay. think they're benefit. Like I have nothing I think bad to say about the Everybody in the world could benefit from a twelve-step program. Yeah. You don't have to be a drug addict. You don't have to be. I mean, just any normal person could benefit from it because all it is is like you know taking a really good look at yourself, looking at your patterns, looking at your behaviors, looking at you know why you do the things you do. You know, and like because I still take things that I learned there and apply them to my daily life. Like my genuine, my goal on a daily basis is to just be a good person then be a better mm-hmm. person than I was the day before. You know, I try to do right by my friends. I try to do right by my family. Like, I mean, I took a lot of good from the rooms. Right. You know? Right. And I, I wanted to make sure that was stressed too, because like, although we're talking about our experience and it's not always positive, this there's is one still... negative experience. Like, it is. NA as a whole, the concept is great. The, right. the, the steps are great. The... And there's still a lot of respect from us for the program Correct. because the steps itself and even the way that they were founded, um, is like, a God-given thing. I do believe, like, when they talk about the steps being channeled and the psychedelic experience, either way, it's something that came from God. And no Mm -hmm. matter how it got here, it's still from God. It was still put here to help. And, like, everything, literally everything, humans fuck it up in some way, shape, or form. You know, we have to, like, meddle with it. Now, do you think there's a therapeutic benefit of one addict helping another? Because that's what we're taught in the program, that, like, somebody who has walked a similar path is easier to relate to than someone who hasn't. But for you, you weren't really physically addicted to drugs at any point in time. You were just sent to the rooms as, like, a consequence of maybe poor decision making or like your parents just being strict. I so definitely believe in the therapeutic value of that one addict helping another. Um, like I said, I, I've learned, I've learned so much and it was through experience, through people, through the steps, through the heartache, through the backstabbing, through the fake. I mean, I've learned so much. So like, yeah, uh, no matter what way you look at it, you're taking, you're taking from it. Like you're, you're going to learn, you're, you're going to gain experience. You're going to gain knowledge. Um, it's just what we do with it. Now, the thing I have an issue with is the way people, the way that people are put on pedestals and looked up to, because if you decide to disagree or go against the grain, that's when shit hits the fan. Mm -hmm. And that's when so I believe in the therapeutic value of one addict helping another. I can't get down with predecessors and old timers telling people what they need to do and not accepting people being where they're at. Like I, it's when our ego surpasses humility. Yes. Is yes. what it is. And we're taught, the first time I ever heard about humility was in the rooms and was taught that this isn't a bad thing. This is, you know, look it up. Humility is humility. But I feel like, um, and I experienced this also, like when you have 10 years in a program and you're looked at with a lot of respect, like it does feed your ego for sure, you know, and... Um, I had to kind of be aware of the fact that I don't know everything and I'm not better than people because I've been here longer because like you get treated that way with respect. And I mean, I respect anybody who's been doing anything for a period of like, if I'm going to go to a hairdresser, I want to go to somebody who knows what they're doing and Mm -hmm. has some experience, not somebody right out of beauty school, you know, um, but with that comes a lot of ego, and I feel like a lot of times, at least in the area that we got clean, that ego would override the actual literature and the fellowship. And a good example is um, 
one that neither one of us ever listened to. Stay out of a relationship. The first year. The first year. Or stay <laughs> off a dick for the first year. <laughs> Whatever comes first, you know? And I still to this day have no clue, like, where that came from because it's not in the literature, as far as I know. And I've read the basic text. I've read the big book, which is AA, and I've read the um whatever the new book is in na worked all 12 steps was knowledgeable on traditions and was like where did this fucking shit come from you know so what i want to know is it's been 18 19 20 24 years for you what is your life like now oh my life's amazing right now my relationships have evolved um I have learned through the fellowship um, that not everyone is your friend. I have walked away from longtime friendships, you know, that weren't serving me. I learned, um, I learned how, I learned, I learned how to judge in a different way, and. I don't think it's judging. I think it's um, clarity. Okay, maybe that's the word. At least it is for me. It gives, like, my experience with people in the rooms gave me clarity on how to deal with people now. I'm grateful for my life today. I'm grateful that um, I'm where I'm at. Like, like, to be real honest with you, I'm glad I'm not in the fucking rooms. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, I don't, I'm not, my life is great. Like, I did what I was supposed to do there. Like, I mean, I became a productive member of society. Like, I learned how to be a wife, how to be a mother, how to be a friend, how to be um, an employee. Like, I did learn all that stuff. So, like, but I also learned that that does, we do graduate. We can graduate. Mm -hmm. That, you know, it, it, it is not a necessity forever for me at least you know what I mean like I, I definitely gained a lot of knowledge I gained I gained a lot so my life today is a thousand times better than the best day that I had in narcotics anonymous mm -hmm. so, and it's definitely but I took a lot of the tools from there right to have the life that I have today to so I mean like I'm definitely grateful and it's I I, I definitely implement the steps into my daily life mm -hmm. I mean so NA as a whole I'm all for it I I'm against the people that have destroyed it now if you knew somebody who was struggling with addiction would 12-step programs be a place that you suggest no <laughs> I've run I into this recently where it's more so people calling my husband because I don't talk to anybody but struggling with drug addiction, like legit, the fentanyl's running rampant mm -hmm. right now. It's physically. I get a lot of calls. I, I personally get calls, and there's not one person that I've steered toward, towards NA, and I feel bad saying that. But, yeah. but I'll tell you what, the people that I have encountered and talked to and that have come to me with shit, they ain't on shit no more. So, I mean, like, they did find a way. They and... found a way to heal outside of yeah. meetings. Which yeah. I think is important. If meetings are what helps you heal, that's cool. But Go there's to them, by all means. More, Do what works for you. Right. There's more to life. And that I think and that's... And A is not the only option. No, and I think that's where we both got. I got to a point where I was like, well, I need to grow a little bit more. And I'm not going to grow here with these with these folks. Nothing against them, but I feel like a lot of times people get roped into staying for as long as they stay to give back to help other people, which is great. There needs to be somebody there for that, but I can give back in other ways just in my daily life, you know, because it has to be pleasing to God, not pleasing to the members of society. And there's someone that wasn't in the rooms that I remember her telling me, like, when you were in the rooms people you were always you you'd never be able to stay in one place you were always picking someone up to take them somewhere you were always had to go do this for this person or drive them there or they didn't have a car and they had to go to this place she said you lived for other people and I said well I was taught to give back you know mm -hmm. I was taught to help you know but that took from me like I mean like it, it took from me and my my relationships outside of the rooms you know I lost people outside of the rooms because when you're in that fellowship, they, it's taught or whatever that 
you have to do what they say. You have to, you know, you have to do what we tell you to do. Mm-hmm. So I lost people, yeah, you know. Because it's safe here. you got to be where it's safe, you know. Stay in your little safe spot in N.A. with your people. But I've met more screwed up people, more dirty, shady, rotten people in the rooms mm-hmm. than I have in real life, like mm-hmm. out in the outside world. Like, I remember being criticized because I didn't want to take my infant daughter to a meeting where there was well-known pedophiles because it is narcotics anonymous it is anonymous program it doesn't matter what you did before I I mean I I can look past a lot of it but when it comes to like me breastfeeding my infant in the back of a meeting and there's two fucking pedophiles sitting there I'm gonna pass you know Yep. yep um what do you think is at the root of addiction trauma childhood trauma um, family trauma. I, I believe it's trauma. Mm-hmm. I agree. 100% trauma. Yeah, it has very little to do with drugs mm-hmm. and a lot to do with coping with mm-hmm. something fucked up that you either witnessed or experienced. Yep. And I'll piggyback that question with, do you think addiction is about more than just a substance? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Addiction is filling a void. Um, we, as children at least our era, because you and I are very similar, Carly. Um, As children, our parents did the best they could, but each generation screws the following generation up. I Mm -hmm. mean, it's just, it's fact. It's, we do the best we can, we wing it. So, us, how we, we dealt with our, our parents were similar as they were very, um, hard on us and very strict because they didn't want us to end up how they did right so but all they did was breed a new level of fucked up correct (laughs) correct which is what we do to our kids it's just a cycle you know until you become aware and break it but it just is what it is it's nobody's fault really it just happens but um I think, I, I truly believe that anybody could get addicted to anything um, if they allow themselves, let themselves. I believe anyone can fall victim to physical dependence on something, you know. Um, but I also believe a lot of it is mental. And mm-hmm. um, I, I believe that people don't deal with their problems, so they use drugs to feel better. So if you actually go to therapy and, um, like, actually get to the root of the problem, there's no need to take that drug. There's no need to take that drug to fill that void or to, to, to numb yourself, you know? So, like, the root of it is the drugs are a – like, using drugs are a symptom, Right. And they even teach you that in the program. I don't think that's... That might be in the literature, actually. I think it is in the literature. But, yeah, we're, it is. You're right. We're taught that, that drugs are a symptom of addiction, but we're never actually taught what the root is. And, I mean, I, for example, was taught that the void that I'm trying to fill should be filled with God, which I agree with. But it's also not addressing the fact that I'm traumatized from all these other situations that came up during my life, you know. Um, There was something else I wanted to ask you. Oh, so if you wouldn't suggest a 12, if somebody's struggling, say they're strung out right now, or they're just having a really hard time, because a lot of people are, there's extensive therapy waiting lists right now. We're in a complete mental health crisis in this country, probably in the whole world, honestly. So when people approach me, you know, I'm fucked up on drugs or I'm strung out on psych meds or I'm just having a really hard time, I don't send them to 12-step programs either usually, but I will offer other pieces of advice or things that have helped me. What do you offer to people for advice? Um, I suggest I usually offer therapy. Um... I'm always, I'm a strong believer in the 12 steps. Like Mm -hmm. I, whether you work it with a sponsor or not, however the hell you got to do it. That's one thing that I do always suggest is if you can work 12 steps, do it because it'll be good for you. You know, like that. Cause I truly believe in the steps, you know, like, Mm -hmm. but I don't think you need to go tell a priest or whatever you got to do. Like you need to get that out, whether it be with a best friend, whether it be with whoever you're comfortable with. I believe in that. 
Right. That's one thing that I've told multiple people. Like, I do believe in the steps. Like, because you learn about yourself. You understand your fucked upness and why you, why you did things you did, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, that's one thing. Therapy's huge. Journaling's huge. Um, uh, if, if it's bad enough, I'll suggest detox. But, like, I can't... I, I, I feel bad that I don't want to recommend or ever tell someone to go to NA. Like, I feel bad saying that. But, like, that's never my first... Mm-hmm. That's never something that I suggest to people. The yeah. steps, yeah. Yeah. Rehab, the, yeah. Once the drug is removed, because when somebody's actively strung out, like a lot of people are strung out on, when we were getting clean, it was dope. Now it's fentanyl, and it's bad. And yeah. I get it, because it is physically addictive, but then you're mentally fucked up from it, too. Um, I do think detox is a good thing to come off of it safely, but then I also worry about the pharmaceutical trail that comes with it. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't have any personal experience with rehab. I don't either. I watched my father go through it, though, and the the trail of pharmaceuticals that follows you, I think, is something to be noted and cautious of, whether it's psych meds or whether it's medically-assisted therapy, which some people could argue that's what weed is. But... I have an easier time trusting something that comes from the earth versus something that comes from a doctor's office and the side effects include, like, a bleeding asshole and death. Like, I just, I don't know. I can't get down with it anymore. Yeah. I'm not going to get physically dependent on marijuana. I could go days without smoking, and I do. You know yeah, what I mean? Fine. Like, I don't have to smoke. I tell you what, though, through trauma, I I have developed anxiety medical marijuana helps my anxiety Mm -hmm. and i'm sorry i would rather smoke something than take a pharmaceutical that's where i'm at with it like i try not to take tylenol and like i don't take shit unless i absolutely have to like i broke my tailbone man i took some naproxen 500 milligrams like didn't it helped it didn't help fully but like i mean i don't take shit if i don't have to take shit but the medical marijuana helps my anxiety, and I use it as a medication, and um, I, I, that's why I have my card. I go to the dispensary. I know exactly what I'm getting. There are certain strains that will exacerbate my anxiety. So, like, I, the fact that I do it, like, as prescribed and go and, you know, I, I treat it how I need to treat it, that's just what I do. And I think it's important to note, too, that you got to do what works for you. So, right. like, NA may work for some people. It doesn't work for everybody. Psych meds may work for one, and it may, may not work, work for, for another. Right. And I think coming out of the fellowship gave me clarity on different modalities of healing. So when people come to me, I'm like, well, it sounds fucking absurd, but, like, yoga has helped me. Dancing has helped me. Hiking has helped me. Journaling has helped me. Plant-based therapies have helped me, not just weed. Music therapy is huge for me. Different teas, different herbs, different tinctures, different, like, there's different stuff out there because for a long time I was programmed to believe that if I'm on meds and I'm attending these meetings, then I can be productive and fit in with everybody else, which is fine because, you know, if you're you're strung out, then you kind of want to, like, you want your brain washed because it's fucked up. But then it gets to the point where you're like, okay, now I need to, like, heal a little bit more and go further in my life, my life's journey, my path, you know? So, I don't want to sway people one way or another, you know, if you're in the program and you want to stay in the program and it's working, that's wonderful. But, like, for me, there was a long time where I was on the fence and I just didn't know what to do. I felt so stuck, you know, and it took people leaving and then getting publicly fucking shamed and bashed to be like, well, it can't be that bad. You know, like yeah, there's a whole at me world all these out years here. later. I'm not all strung out and no. on the street and you know, I mean, no, but I'm curious sometimes about what people think we're doing. So, I mean, maybe this will bring some clarity too. <laughs> Do you want to add anything additional? Because I, that was my last question. Um, this last couple minutes is your time to kind of touch on anything you didn't get to touch on or. Um, I just want to say I have nothing like I'm not bashing 
Narcotics Anonymous at all. Um, I don't want anyone to think that. My dad's still an active member. He has over 30 years clean. I mean, like, I'm supportive of it. I, you know, am for who it works for and all that. My experience is my experience alone. Um, it fucked me up. <laughs> I am past that now. And, like, to be able to talk about it and, like, get that off my chest actually feels pretty damn good. But, um... I'm for Narcotics Anonymous if that's what works for you. It personally didn't work for It worked for me how it needed to work for me, and this was just my experience and how I deal with things now. And, you know, my life today, like I said, my worst day now is still better than my best day in NA. Like, my life is good. My husband's life is good. Our relationship's good. My family life is good. I mean, everything's how it's supposed to be. Yeah, there's peace here. There's definitely peace. For sure. Plant medicine for sure helped with that, though. It does. I will and say that. That helped with, like, um, my inner um, inner peace, uh, my relationship with God. It brought me closer to God. All plant medicine has done that for me. Like, it's a beautiful thing. Right. But <laughs> respecting other thing. people's decision is, like, where it's at, though. You know, like, I have friends that... I don't have many friends that I still talk to from the fellowship, but I have friends outside, normal people, and, like, some of them are into plant therapy. Some of them think weed is, like, like they're boomers, you know what I mean? Weed's whack, don't do it. And then I have some people that they are on medications, they seek Western therapy, they love their doctor, and we cohabitate, you know, like... Mm -hmm. I don't push my views on people. Um, I'm receptive when they come at me with stuff. Like, our opinions are different, and it's fine. And that was something that I had to be removed from the rooms to learn, is, like, we don't all have to think the same way. It's okay to have different opinions. It's okay to disagree. Even through the the um, election, like, wanting to kill people, because I'm like, how can you be so fucking stupid? And I'm like, well, it's their level of perception. It's where they're at in their awareness, and who am I to judge their journey? Because exactly. I was there not that long ago. So, exactly. you know, just accepting people for where they're at. Acceptance. That is probably my biggest thing. Yeah. There, I wasn't accepted. And they preach acceptance in the program. Right. It's so it's foundational. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of hypocrisy in the rooms, which is what I never liked but there's a lot of hypocrisy anywhere we go anywhere and I think my thing with that was like growing up with a um a father who was on drugs and then being told that I was a drug addict or growing up with family that was like legit fucking nuts and I'm just like here experiencing it as a child and witnessing and trying to process it and then it being projected on me. Mm -hmm. So then I enter adulthood thinking that I'm a complete piece of shit <laughs> because I've been conditioned that way only to fall into a fellowship where conditioning is one of the backbones of how they get people to stay. Like it's a, it's very, it's very complex and I feel like we it's only very cultish. It is. And we only scratch the surface of it. And I love cults and I want to get into a episode about cults cause they're fascinating to me, but a lot of people ask about the NA stuff, though, which I'm, I'm glad that, you know, we did this because a lot of people ask. Yeah, they do ask. And, uh, I mean, I don't hide any part of my past for the most part. If people ask, I'm honest with them. But there's a lot that doesn't get discussed and talked about. And not everybody has a great experience in a certain space that is meant for healing. So, yeah. Thank you. Thank you for doing this. We're at about an hour now, and I will work on getting this edited and published ASAP. But thank you for sharing your story and your experience, and hopefully it helps somebody. Yeah, I hope it does. Thanks.